Well, good afternoon. It's good to be with you again, Providence Presbyterian Church. Uh, in times of joy, in times of sadness, in times of grief, in times of great hardship and trial, our God is good, and our God is worthy of praise. And it is a good thing for us to gather together in the house of God to worship the Lord, uh, to re-anchor our hearts and our minds upon our great God, and upon his word and upon his gospel. So let's pray one more time and ask for the Lord to bless the teaching of the word. Great God, we come before you this day, this Lord's Day, the day that we celebrate our Savior, the Lord Jesus, and his resurrection from the dead, and his victory, his triumph, his lordship, his sovereignty over all. We pray, O Lord, that the balm of your word, the preciousness of your word, would minister to the hearts of your people here this afternoon. We pray, O God, that you would comfort, that you would strengthen, that you would magnify your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we would be attentive hearers of the word, and that we would be diligent appliers of the word as well. Help us to do that for your glory and for the glory of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. And, and uh, thanks for being willing to shuffle things out in terms of the order of the service. I trust it will be perhaps a, a refreshing change and something that even for today may be a blessing to you. So that when you have heard the word and we had heard from the Lord, we can then sing with all the more heart afterward, having heard from the Lord, and sing with our minds engaged and our hearts engaged with the Lord. Proverbs 8 is where we are today, verses 1 to 11, and I want to bring you a sermon that I have entitled, God's Wisdom is Calling Out to You. God's Wisdom is is calling out to you. Follow with me as I read Proverbs 8, verses 1 to 11. I want to read all 11 verses, and then I will preach through it. But let me set it before you here at the beginning. Verse 1. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud, to you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I want to ask you a question at the outset of our time of study together. And the question is this. 
what is the most dangerous threat to Christians? What is the most dangerous threat to Christians? As you live your Christian life, as you think about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, you think about the people of God, and maybe, maybe there's a lot of things that come into your mind, a lot of dangers and a lot of threats that could come into your mind, but what do you think is the most dangerous threat? I would like to propose one such threat, and the book of Proverbs reveals it again and again and again. The book of Proverbs reveals that the most dangerous threat is worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom. And you say, well, Jeff, why would you say that? And the answer is because you and I are in a battle. We are in a battle for the mind. Everything that a person does, everything a person says, flows out of the heart, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Why do we do what we do? Why do we say what we say? Why is our behavior the way that it is? And the answer from the Word of God, both Old Testament and New, is that it all comes out of our heart, the way that we think, our mindset. The devastation is when worldly wisdom prevails. When worldly wisdom prevails. By way of introduction, what I want to propose to you is if this is such a dangerous threat to God's people, that is worldly wisdom, then what we need is not the following. What we do not need is syncretism. We could call it syncretism. That is the merging and the joining of different religions and forms of worship. It was not only prevalent in the ancient world, it's still around and live and well today as well. We certainly do not need syncretism. But nor do we need, number two, integrationism. That is trying to merge God's wisdom with human worldly wisdom. We, we don't need that. Nor do we need pragmatism. Pragmatism, number three, it's the truthfulness that is found in the visible practical success. You know, if it works, let's do it. But if it doesn't work, let's not do it. However it appears on the visible surface. We don't need pragmatism. We certainly don't need, number four, relativism. Relativism. Truth is fluid. It's changeable. It's not absolute. It's not fixed. Truth is good for you, but my truth is good for me. We hear that all the time in our culture, but we certainly don't need that as well. Nor do we need, number five, postmodernism. Postmodernism, this subjectivism. What it means for me is ultimate. You might disagree, you might have a different perspective, but whatever I think, whatever I believe is ultimate. That's the postmodern mentality today. None of those things are what we need. I would propose, and what Proverbs says, is that you and I need God's wisdom. You and I need God's wisdom. And I want to remind you today, and I'm going to quote it throughout our time together in Colossians 2 and verse 3, that in Jesus Christ, we have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge contained in him. In him. 
2 Timothy 3, verse 15, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says that we have the sacred writings that give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Even earlier in Psalm 119, verse 98, God's commands even make me wiser than my enemies. What we need is not a whole lot of more degrees. What we need is the wisdom of the Lord. In fact, Paul builds on this. He makes his whole case on this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The word of the cross, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And all of the rest of 1 Corinthians 1 and into chapter 2 is all about the wisdom of God that is distinct from the world. It is centered on the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ and him crucified. God's wisdom is stronger than mankind. We read in 1 Corinthians 1 and in chapter 3 that the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. And we read the wisdom of God as an example is revealed in your sovereign election. Consider your calling, brethren. There were not many wise among you, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. So all over the word of God, and Paul expands on it in 1 Corinthians 1, on the wisdom of God. We need this wisdom. But Proverbs 8 is where we are. Now the reason I selected Proverbs 8 for you this morning and for my own heart this afternoon is Proverbs 8. It's just a remarkable chapter. This, this chapter takes wisdom and it personifies wisdom as a street preacher. It personifies wisdom as a street preacher. It's as if you could imagine in your mind someone standing up, lifting up the voice, crying out and calling out to all people, listen to what I have to say. That's what Proverbs 8 really is doing. But the context is so telling. If we had the time, we would go back and read Proverbs 7. Proverbs 7 is the way of death. It's the way of the adulteress. It's the foolish young man who is, who is tempted. He is lured and he falls into the trap of immorality. That is the way of death. In fact, Proverbs 7 ends that that house of the immoral woman leads to hell. That is the highway to hell. That is the way of death. Proverbs 8, here's the way of wisdom. Proverbs 7, here's the chapter of lies. Proverbs 8, here's the chapter of truth. Proverbs 7, here's the path of self-preservation. Chapter 8, here's the path of self-crucifixion. In Proverbs 7, I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes, but that leads to hell. Proverbs 8, I'm going to do what's right in God's eyes. By his grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have this remarkable section here in Proverbs 8 where this is wisdom promising joy, delight, satisfaction, happiness. God is offering you the best. Not just a little bit of good. You know, boys and girls, children here, I love to tell my kids, God doesn't just give you a little bit of good. He's offering you the abundance 
abundance of good that he gives. This is the best way to live life for God and for Jesus and for his glory. Proverbs 8 is Solomon writing. But Solomon is using a figure of speech called personification. I just mentioned it a minute ago. I ought to define it, I suppose. Personification as a figure of speech, it's where Solomon is taking this concept of wisdom and he's putting human characteristics and likeness to this topic, the subject called wisdom, as if wisdom is a preacher, as if wisdom is on a corner of a busy intersection, standing on a box, Bible open, lifting up the voice with lots of people passing by. Listen. Listen to what I have to say. This is for your good for the path of life. This is for your good so that you will escape death. This is for your good. Can you imagine it in your mind? Wisdom, the street preacher. And here we are in chapter 8. The ultimate voice of wisdom, as you and I know, is the Lord Jesus Christ. The embodiment and treasure of all wisdom is found in him. And who does Proverbs 8 cry out to? Who does this preacher preach to? Who does the Lord Jesus preach to? It's not the scholars. It's not to the religious people. It's not to the elite. It's to all people, boys and girls, men and women. Church member and non-church member, young and old, male and female, even, the text will say, the fool. God has a message for all of us, for all of us. And so, if you look at verse 6, hear what I will speak. If you look in verse 10, take my instruction. This is God saying to you and to me today, hear this. Listen to this. Pay attention. Pay attention. So God's wisdom is calling out to me and to you today in Proverbs chapter 8. And if you're taking notes, I want to give you a very, very simple, a very brief outline with two main headings. Two headings so that we will understand the defense and commendation of wisdom. What is this wisdom like? Number one, it's available. Number two, it's reliable. It's available and it's reliable. And we're going to walk through each of those two points as we walk through verses 1 to 11 together. But, but don't miss this. The fact that it's available means you can get it. You can get the wisdom of God. And the fact that it's reliable means you can trust it. You can trust the wisdom of God. So let's begin. If you're taking notes, number one, the wisdom of God is available. It is available in verses 1 to 5. You know, it, it makes me think of a, of, of a home alarm system. You know, it, it, it's at your home, it's yours, it's always ready, 24-hour protection, always on call. Dispatchers are always available. It, it's available to you. It's available always at your service. So it is as you live your life. As you live your life, God's Wisdom is always available for you. Always available. Always on call. Always your protection. Always offering you the best. 
Well, let's talk about how this wisdom of God is available and how it preaches. Number one, we might say under this first heading it's available, it preaches loudly. Look at verse one. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? You know, you imagine a preacher on the side of the road and you're like, man, he, 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 is, he has a booming voice. That's the idea of verse one. Wisdom is preaching loudly. Wisdom is crying aloud with a thundering voice. In chapter 1 of Proverbs and in verse 20, wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice at the head of the noisy streets. She cries out at the entrance of the city gates. She speaks. Here's the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God coming loud and clear and openly for you and for me where it can be heard. From the hilltop to the intersection to the city gate to the entrance, we read all of that in these verses. God does not whisper, God doesn't hide. God is calling out. He is inviting you. He is not silent. He wants you to get this available wisdom. Verse 1, doesn't wisdom call and raise her voice? But wisdom not only preaches loudly, but also wisdom preaches publicly in verses 2 and 3. On the heights beside the way in verse 2, at the crossroads, she takes her stand beside the gates in front of the town. At the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. It's almost as if God, through Solomon's pen, is describing wisdom as a preacher in the most visible place where all the people can hear. It's not in some corner somewhere. It's not on a hilltop alone, isolated somewhere, wherever the crowds gather. That's where this wisdom is crying out. Verse 3, in the city gate. In the ancient world, that, that would be like, like in, the, in the center of the town, the center of the square. It's where people would congregate and sit and meet and buy and sell and diddle, settle disputes and even transact policies. It's like we're going to go to city hall and I'm going to preach and present the wisdom of God so that all people might hear that God's wisdom is available. Third, not only does wisdom preach loudly and publicly, third, it, it preaches impartially. Impartially. Now, I want you to look with me at verse 4. I want you to pre uh, look with me at verse 4 and 5 because these verses are are, are astonishing the way Solomon writes these words. Verse 4, To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. All people. All humankind. All men. All people. All humankind. But he further defines it in verse 5. Now, in the ESV, you and I have simple ones. I have to tell you about this Hebrew word. It's so picturesque. The word for, for simple in the Hebrew language, maybe in English, it might also be rendered naive. Naive. But not somebody who just doesn't understand information. This is the idea of the person who's gullible. 
This is the person who's vulnerable. In our day, we often hear, you know, I just want to be open-minded. That's the idea here. I just want to be open-minded. I just want to accept everything. And I'm kind of easily convinced and easily swayed. Here's a person who's simple-minded, who's not serious-minded. Unstable, without convictions, we might say. They just kind of live by their feelings. They live by their whims. They, they live by their emotions, not by the rock-solid truth. But they just kind of are driven and tossed by the waves and winds of culture and human opinion. Yes, to the naive, to the open-minded, to those without conviction, to those who are living a life and you're not serious-minded, here's the wisdom of God calling out to you. But not just the simple. Also, look at this next word in verse 5. Oh, fools. Oh, fools learn sense. You know, this word for fool is actually a pretty, pretty bold word. It's a colorful word in the Hebrew language. It means to be a thick-headed, stubborn person. Here's the, the stubborn person. He's not intellectually deficient. That's not the idea. He's not talking about fool, meaning somebody who doesn't know information. No, no, no. This is a moral inept person. This is a spiritually stubborn person. Proverbs 3.35 describes this person as displaying dishonor. Proverbs 13, 19 talks about this kind of fool. He doesn't want to turn away from evil. He loves his sin. He's pursuing his sin. He's walking in the ways of this world. And the wisdom of God says, I'm calling out to you. You need to hear God's wisdom. All men, all people, naive, fools, rebels, young people, older people, boys, girls, men, women, troubled ones, teenagers. Wisdom is found in God and in his word, and it's available to you. Now, if all of that is wisdom preaching loudly, publicly, impartially, you say, Jeff, I understand what you're saying. Why? And that leads us to this. Wisdom preaches purposefully. Look at verse 5. Wisdom preaches purposefully. Oh, simple ones, learn prudence. The King James has learned knowledge. But the idea of this Hebrew word for prudence, this is so great. It means to be sensible and thoughtful in your life. It means that you are deliberate and intentional in the way that you live your life. It means that as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God is crying out to you so that you will be thoughtful about how you live every day. Not living by your emotions and living by the, the winds of culture and the waves of this world, but living with conviction. Living with intentionality. Living with deliberateness. Living with self-control. And you have it right here. You have it in the Word of God. You know, when our family goes on family vacations, I'm thinking about this because we have one in a week. And when we drive to our destination, I'll put in the destination of my phone and I'll follow that little dot on my app and it'll take me to our destination. It's usually quite reliable. 
usually quite reliable. It's, it's available, it's understandable, it's reliable, usually. The Word of God is always available, always reliable. It is understandable. This is why Moses, when Moses was preaching to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 30, and Moses said, this commandment is not too difficult for you, nor is it out of your reach, but, but it's available. It's available. Now with all of that, I've sort of been so repetitious in setting the ground for this. God's word is available. The wisdom of God is available. So how often do you dive into the sea of the wisdom of God found in the word of God? How often do you swim in the preciousness of the divine wisdom in the word? I mean, you and I are just bombarded by culture. You and I are, 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 are being indoctrinated. We don't want to be, but we're just being bombarded on all sides. The world is trying to indoctrinate us and our young people. And what we need is the wisdom of God. What we need is the truth of God. To use John Calvin's words, the majesty of the word. That's what we need. We need this. So, back to my question. The wisdom of God is available. Do, do you spend time in God's wisdom daily? Every other day? When trials and hardships and calamities come, what about the good times as well? When you feel like it, when you don't feel like it, when you want to, when you don't want to in that moment? Oh, Christian, let me encourage you that the wisdom of God is available. It's like the preacher crying out, here's God's wisdom, and it's available. Now, a lot of things are available. A lot of things are available. You can get news and headlines and blogs and podcasts, media, all kinds of things are available in our day, but is it reliable? That's a whole different issue. That leads us to our second heading. The wisdom of God is available, yes, verses 1 to 5, but now in your notes, I want to give you a second main heading, a second main truth about this wisdom of God. It's reliable. It's reliable. What is it that is strong, sturdy, reliable? Psalm 19, David said in verse 7, that the testimony of the Lord is sure. Peter wrote in 2 Peter 1.19 that we have the prophetic word made more sure. And I love the Greek word for more sure. It means to be firmly grounded in the ground. To be steadfast, reliable, unalterable. It's like digging a hole and you put in a cement foundation and a large pillar that cannot be moved. We have the prophetic word made more sure. This is reliable. Look, look at what Solomon says right here in verse 6. This is what God is saying to us. Verse 6, Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. Let, 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 me, let me sort of lure you in with the awesomeness of God's word. 
with the greatness of God's wisdom. Again, men and women, boys and girls, God is offering you the best. Sometimes if if I give counsel and wisdom to my children, I, I think it's good, but it might not be always the best counsel. But not so with God. His counsel is always the best. Always the best. Now, under this heading of the reliable nature of the word, there are two words that I want you to jot down. And this will be an encouragement to you. You can pray through this for this upcoming week. How do we know it's reliable? Number one, it is flawless. Number two, it is priceless. Flawless. The word of God is flawless. Look, no media platform is flawless. There is no man or woman alive whose words are flawless. But God, but God? Verse 6, I will speak noble things. My lips will come what is right. Verse 7, my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. What does that mean? God says, here's truth. Here's righteousness. It is straightforward. It is right. Do you, do you hear that? The Bible is truth. It is righteous. It is straightforward. Praise the Lord that he has given us his flawless word. But did you notice the end of verse 7? Did you notice that little contrasting phrase here? Wisdom of God is flawless, but verse 7 ends by saying wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Sin, evil, corruption is an abomination. You want to know how you're growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you want to know one mark of a true child of God as we walk in our conduct in a manner that is worthy of the calling with which we've been called? Here it is. True wisdom from God will give you an intense hatred for that which is set up against God and against his truth. Verse 7 is saying, it's like wisdom is spitting out any distasteful wickedness and sin that would ever come up to its mouth. Question. Are you offended by that which offends God? Or do we laugh at what offends God? Are we entertained by it? Do you make a joke concerning that which offends God? Are are we hating what God hates? Am I offended by, by that which offends God? Do I turn away from whatever displeases God? Do I flee from sin and hate sin and forsake it? Because it is displeasing to God. You see, God's wisdom is so flawless. It's perfect. That sin and corruption and wickedness, the text says in verse 7, it's an abomination. May the Lord increase our love for him and our hatred for that which displeases him. You know what's so fascinating, by the way? I'll, I'll mention this and you can develop it more in your own quiet time with the Lord. But in 
verses 6 to 9, there are eight attributes of the word right here. Eight attributes of the word. Uh, right, noble, truth, righteous, nothing twisted, nothing crooked, and so on. All these eight attributes. It's a fascinating study to compare that with the eight descriptions in Philippians chapter 4. Whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, and so on. Think on these things. Fascinating comparison. Eight virtues here and eight in Philippians chapter 4. And Paul says in Philippians, think on these things. Let your mind be renewed by the things that are lovely and true and right and good. Glue them to your heart. My kids love crafts. It's not uncommon for us to find glue sticks and staplers and, you know, Elmer's glue on the floor and they're gluing all kinds of things together. We need to glue these truths to our hearts. We need to glue these precious realities to our heart and remind ourselves day by day that God's wisdom is reliable in that it's, it's flawless. But it's also, according to verses 10 and 11, you got to get this as well. It's priceless. 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 What value the wisdom of God is. How, how reliable the wisdom of God is. Look at verse 10. Take my instruction instead of silver. Look, if I could just offer you all the money in the world, I can't. But if I could. Or here's the wisdom of God. Now be honest. That would be tough, wouldn't it? And yet, here we have, right here in verse 10, the Lord saying, take my instruction, take the wisdom of God, which is far better than silver. It's far better than the choicest gold, all that the world could offer you. The word of God is even better. It's dependable, genuine, tested, and true, well-grounded, advantageous. Verse 11, wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you desire cannot compare with her. Go ahead, bring all the desires that you could have in this world, all the things that you think will bring you happiness and joy and pleasure and satisfaction, and you weigh that in comparison with the great beauty and joy and reliability and sweetness of God's wisdom. God's wisdom is always, always, always better. Always better. God's word will show you Christ. It will show you salvation. It will show you truth. It will show you holiness. It will show you heaven. It will show you grace. Rejoice. God's wisdom is better than all the things that this world can offer. One of my favorite hymns is Fairest Lord Jesus. But there's a verse in that hymn that often isn't in many of the hymnals that we have, whether it's the Trinity hymnal or others. And it talks about Christ being more precious, more, more dazzling than even the stars. Anything in existence. Christ is better. All fairest beauty, heavenly and earthly, is found in Christ. Remember, 
This wisdom is best. This wisdom is flawless. This wisdom is reliable. It is priceless. And can I remind you of Colossians 2, that in Jesus, we have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, here's Christ, the perfection of wisdom the embodiment of divine wisdom. We have the word of God, but we also have the living word in the Lord Jesus. And it's like what Jonathan Edwards would say, take notice of Christ's excellence. It is a feast. I love that. Have you found Christ to be a feast? An enjoyable, delightful, sweet, trustworthy, faithful feast. Even in heaven, the worshipers acknowledge wisdom belongs to the Lamb. Power and riches and honor and glory and blessing and wisdom. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 12. And then later on in Revelation 7, wisdom belongs to our God forever and ever. Even in heaven, we will be acknowledging all wisdom belongs to Christ. Belongs to Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.30 that Christ has become our wisdom. So, if this is true, and if Jesus is the embodiment of divine wisdom, then Christian, you and I ought to love, love, love our Christ. We ought to love him more than everything else. He is to be valued. He is to be treasured. He is to be sought. He is to be enjoyed. He is to be studied. He's that treasure in the field. He is the delightful pleasure. We have gained Christ. We have all that Christ is, is ours by virtue of our union with Christ. Does this tug at your heart? Not just intellectual knowledge of wisdom is available in the Bible. True. But is your heart being drawn to Christ? I want him. I want to pursue him. I want to love him. I, I want to see the wisdom of God available and reliable in the written word and in the living word. May it be that we would love and value Jesus Christ as being flawless, flawless, priceless, and available. So you say, Jeff, okay, I understand all of this. So how do I apply this? How do I apply this? Well, we, our hearts are always pursuing something. Our hearts are always craving after something. May it be that today on this Lord's Day, tomorrow you would crave and long for and study and worship the wisdom of God in Christ. How do we receive the wisdom? We must receive it biblically. Biblically, the wisdom of God comes through the text and the word of God in the scriptures. We ought to receive the wisdom hungrily. Hungrily, oh, I'm hungry for food, we often say. Let us be hungry for Christ in the same way. We ought to receive the wisdom of God corporately through the biblical preaching of the word of God and the fellowship of God's people as we read the word together. We ought to receive the word submissively 
wherever the Bible reproves us, we want to obey it. Not sit in judgment over the word, but be in subjection to the word, even the reproofs that it brings to our hearts. So Christian, one of the dangers, one of the dangers, one of the greatest dangers is worldly wisdom. Let it be true for me and for you, even this Lord's day, that we would be those who hear the wisdom of God preaching. The wisdom of of God crying out. Get it. Take hold of this wisdom. It's available. You have it. It's reliable. You've got it in front of you on your lap. You've got it on your phone, probably. You have the word of God. May we love the word and love the living word and cherish and pursue and treasure the Lord Jesus Christ. A hymn that I enjoy and love, and I'll close with this, is from Isaac Watts. And he wrote a hymn entitled, Join All the Glorious Names, where he just goes through the attributes of Christ and just extols the the beauty and the wonder and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. In those wonderful lines in this hymn, one verse is like this. Join all the glorious names of wisdom, love, and power that ever mortals knew that angels could ever bear. They are all too poor, too poor to speak his worth, too poor to set my Savior forth. Bring all the wisdom of this world and no one, No one and nothing can give too much worship and praise and adoration to Christ. He's worthy of it all. May you hear the wisdom of God and may you respond obediently and appropriately to this wisdom that is crying out to you today. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for Proverbs chapter Eight, and for the many, many other scriptures in the word that speak to the wisdom of God revealed in the written word and most gloriously and fully in the living word, the Lord Jesus. May it be that this would be a congregation of believers where our hearts and our minds and our pursuits our longing after Jesus Christ, that we would love him and know him and treasure him. Thank you that this wisdom is available and reliable. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.